witnessing a front three-quarter view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Hello and welcome to Front Three-Quarter View, my Twin Peaks podcast. My name is James uh, and I am going to be talking to you today about the concept of Deva Chan and the Dweller on the Threshold. So this podcast idea came to me when I was reading uh, an essay on the 25 Years Later website, uh, which is where a lot of my um, ideas, I suppose, come from and different bits of inspiration come from. Uh, I was reading Laura Stewart's essay on The Dweller on the Threshold, and there was one paragraph in particular quite near the beginning that really struck me, Um, And so I'd highly recommend going and reading that article because it's a really interesting look at how the Dweller on the Threshold and all these ideas from Theosophy apply to Twin Peaks. Um, But there was a paragraph in particular that really interested me and sort of sent me off in my own direction. uh, And it's that that I'm going to be talking about today. In the process of thinking about this, I think I've come up with some pretty interesting ideas. So the theory may not always fit um exactly but hopefully in the process of basically seeing what sticks and what doesn't stick um there'll be some interesting and hopefully some new thoughts and ideas and theories along the way so it's been a long time since i've done one of these podcasts where i just sort of throw a theory out there and see what sticks but i'm really excited to uh, to be back and to be doing another one So Mark Frost is very interested in theosophy. Um, That's kind of a known fact and it's a big part of the Conversations with Mark Frost book uh, that I've not long finished reading. Um, Absolutely amazing book. So I would highly recommend for anyone really beyond Twin Peaks fans, it's a really interesting insight into writing for TV. Um, And there is a big conversation in there about theosophy and how some of those theosophy beliefs apply to uh, Twin Peaks and the ones that he brought forward to use in the series. And one of those is the dweller on the threshold, this idea that you have to face um, sort of a sum of all of your dark sides before you can go forward uh, into the next life. That's not the most elegant um the most elegant description but uh, nevertheless hopefully it's one that um, sums up what the concept is about. So um, I've kind of been thinking about those concepts and the things that Frost brought and these sort of ideas of spirituality that he infused the series with specifically and that led me to read Laura Stewart's Dweller on the Threshold article and this is the paragraph that struck me. Reincarnation does not have to happen immediately after death. The soul does not leave one body and then instantly enter that of a baby about to be born. There is always an interval period during which the soul experiences its personal state of heaven, created out of its own consciousness and matching precisely the afterlife the person had believed in and expected during the lifetime which just ended. 
The teachings of theosophy refer to this state under the Tibetan name of Devachan. The amount of time this lasts depends on the amount and force of good or positive karma that the soul created during that lifetime. Apologies quickly now if I'm pronouncing David Chan wrong. I did some googling and I think that's how you pronounce it, but apologies if if uh, that isn't quite right. So, what is it about that idea that interested me or caught my attention? It is this idea that before you are reincarnated in this belief, you experience a form of what could be called heaven in a Christian sense. Um, but you, that heaven is formed out of your own consciousness and it matches the afterlife you believed in and expected to find. I thought that was interesting because there have been lots of discussions about what the Red Room is. And obviously you're first introduced to the Red Room in um, Cooper's consciousness, essentially. So I began to think, well, what if David Chan was the Red Room or the Red Room was David Chan? What if you had, um, what if the Red Room was specifically someone's heaven? It was their own personal state of heaven. It's what they expected it to look like once they had died. So then obviously you've got the question of, well, who's David Chan, is it? Um... And there are multiple possible candidates, um, as obviously we see over the course of the series, all of the series, we see lots of different people um, in the Red Room. But I don't think you could really count all of the beings that you see, so Bob or Mike or anyone like that. So you would have to have a human. It would have to be a human who had died and this was their concept or perception of heaven. So the Red Room is in fact this character's heaven. The most obvious candidates that I can think of, um, Leland, we see him in the Red Room, Cooper, obviously hugely associated with the Red Room, and Laura. There's not a lot of logic to back up that it is, um, that it's Leland. It wouldn't be someone like Diane because Diane's is complicated and there's a question raised about how much we really see of the real her and this is assuming that it's the David Chan of someone who is not a Tulpa uh, and in fact Laura Stewart's article suggests some really interesting theories about Diane as well which I'll mention later but they're definitely worth looking into. But that leaves us with Cooper or Laura, who's David Chan is it? And Cooper doesn't go there when he's died. The only person to get there once they have died is Laura. So that would mean that Laura had imagined her heaven was going to be this room. Would that make sense? Potentially, because we know that she dreams it a couple of days before she dies. So she and Cooper have the same dream, but whereas Cooper's happens while he is alive, the discovery is made in the episode where, uh, where spoilers, um, Leland is finally uh, captured. Um, the, the revelation is made that Laura has had the same dream as Cooper and she's written about it in her diary. And she thinks Cooper might be Mike, specifically saying that 
Cooper is someone who can help her or she hopes that he is. So Laura has dreamed the Red Room before she dies. She is the only character outside of Maddie, admittedly, who dies um, and who we know goes to the Red Room after they've died, because they've died, in some sort of connection to that. So we know that she dreams the Red Room. So perhaps in her dream, she does think that that is what the place she will go to when she dies. Perhaps she does imagine that to be heaven and therefore potentially the Red Room could be Laura's Devacham. So why does that matter and what does that mean? Well, I think potentially it reveals some other interesting connections and things to think about in the series. Um, so perhaps if Laura is the one dreaming it, then and she dreams it first, chronologically in the series she dreams the red room before cooper dreams it so is she responsible for him dreaming it because she hopes that he can help her even though she does not know him um would that make sense well theoretically yes because laura has already met cooper before she dies too so this is where we start getting slightly caught up in timelines and things like that. So Laura meets Cooper before she dies in the woods in part 17 of The Return, um, a scene which still absolutely astounds me to this day. And we know that she disappears, that implies Cooper's attempt to save her isn't successful. But it's also assumed that once she is removed with the noise that the giant plays, or sorry, the fireman plays Cooper at the start of the return, it's implied that she then becomes Carrie Page and also that this is part of Cooper's plan because he isn't expecting Carrie Page, but he is expecting to find Laura in another place he has to cross to. So if, I mean, how does that fit in with the timelines? Like in... If Laura doesn't go to meet Leo and Jacques, then she can't be with Leland in the train car either. And therefore, technically, she can't die. Um, so there is a slight bump here where the two timelines I'm working with don't quite add up. But if we were just going to theorise for a moment. So Laura's met Cooper before she dies in the woods in part 17. He wants to help her. He says, I'm gonna, we're going home. And then if the Red Room is Laura's David Chan, she is dreaming and she thinks Cooper can maybe help her. So maybe she's responsible for putting him there because she's already met someone, that man who claims he can help. Also, to back that up, she meets him 25 years later. So the version of Cooper that Laura would put inside her own heaven to help her out would be Cooper 25 years older. So that does kind of work um, as a reason for Cooper being there. And also as a way of showing that maybe, you know, how of, of asking the question of how much control Laura has over her life once... Um, once she's died, essentially, and once she's in the Red Room. So, if Carrie Page now exists as Laura, 
then Laura is still technically dead. And yes, she may have been transformed into Carrie Page. Yes, she may be Carrie Page, but there is a form of Laura that is still dead. So it's possible that Laura did meet Cooper in the woods in part 17 and still in some form died, ending up in the Red Room. So it's even though Carrie Page now exists, it's theoretical that um, Laura still died in some way. Perhaps she can still get to the Red Room and she knows that Cooper could help her. He gets placed there and she dreams it ahead of time and maybe she ensures that he dreams it. This is where this is where it gets interesting. So far you may be thinking, well this makes no sense, you've ignored X, Y and Z, um, and that's probably completely true. Um, like I say, the, I suppose this theory isn't there entirely to add up, but hopefully just to sort of reveal some interesting things as collateral. Um, and I think it's interesting, knowing that Frost is so invested in theosophy, to take this concept uh, that is tied into theosophy and say, well, wait a minute, could we actually learn something from this? So, so far we've got Laura is dead and in her personal heaven, which is the Red Room, and it's her personal heaven because she dreamed it, and she put Cooper there, or got Cooper to dream it, because maybe she met him in the woods, when he was 25 years older, maybe he think, maybe she thinks he can help her. So, obviously Laura turns up in the return as Carrie Page. And there is this, uh, this also idea that ties into theosophy about working through different stages of initiation. So, as you move through the different levels of initiation, and I think there were about nine, you become a more spiritual self. And by that I mean, after stage four, you actually become a spiritual being. So you exceed life. If you need to keep going through these stages of initiation, learning more things, picking up good karma, so you can progress each time you are reincarnated, well, you could say that Laura is reincarnated as Carrie Page. That would A, imply that there is a death between Laura and Carrie, and that the Red Room could be Laura's David Chan, but it would also mean that if Laura was reincarnated, then she hadn't yet reached the point where she could become a spiritual being. So does that mean she has got something to learn as Carrie Page? She is still developing spiritually. And that idea of progressing through initiation and those different levels would also work for Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones is, um, I mean, a, a fascinating character and you can talk about him for hours anyway, but the first stage of this initiation process that comes with theosophy is this idea that you are learning to control your physical body. So in the first stage, your first life, you are learning to control your physical body. That is a description of Dougie, isn't it? Like he is learning to control himself physically throughout all those early parts of the return when we first meet him. And then in the third stage of this initiation, you gain the ability of clairvoyancy. That could almost be applied to Cooper as well. So he has this, he has this knowledge and this way of 
um, of sensing and understanding things that is beyond what we would consider to be the normal human level. So he might have reached that third stage of initiation, but maybe he is reincarnated as Dougie for a reason, because every time you die, and I realise that the slight flaw in this argument is that we technically don't see Cooper die, but go with me because I'm on the verge of something interesting. So if Cooper is reincarnated as Dougie, that means he still has things to learn before he can become a spiritual being. So why would Cooper still have more to learn? He's on the third stage of initiation. Why is he reincarnated as Dougie, who is on the first stage? What possibly could you have there that Dougie needs? Well, is there something valuable that Cooper can learn as Dougie before he tries to save Laura? That would mean that we currently have this perception that Cooper is on a mission to destroy Judy, save Laura, two birds with one stone. That mission is something to do with Cole, something to do with Briggs. Something to do with a fireman as well. How about it's not their mission at all? How about it's Laura's? How about Laura Palmer is in her personal perception of heaven, the Red Room, and she wants to be saved. So in order to be saved, she needs the man, the one man that she's seen in a dream, maybe that she's seen in the woods, that she thinks can save her. But he can't save her yet because there is something Cooper is missing, something Cooper needs to learn as Dougie in order to be able to save her correctly. So he is on a mission to save her and he is reincarnated as Dougie in order to learn this missing thing. Now, what would Laura want Cooper to find as Dougie? When I came to this conclusion, I was really quite surprised because <laughs> I was just kind of throwing things ideas out there and then I was like oh my god this could really work what does Dougie learn on you know when he is on earth he learns a sense of home it's the last thing Dougie says when he is yet again created by Cooper as a tolpa and he's sent back to live with Janie E and Sonny Jim he says he's home the whole way throughout Dougie's journey, he talks about the red door, like he repeats the word home. He, the character is learning the concept of home. So how does that tie into everything else? Well, it's what Laura is yearning for. She's learning for a home where she can be safe. And I said in my last podcast as well, the commentary about lonely souls of, you know, how there's something really unsettling about how close Lynch gets to the the everyday things in the home and how they're all made sort of creepy and horrible and uneasy while Laura is still looking for this sense of home and the thing that really clicked it for me when Cooper saves Laura in the woods he says we're going home Laura wants home Cooper wants it for Laura Dougie is obsessed with the idea of home. That is what connects them. It's the concept of home. 
And so that's what Dougie learns. If Laura is sending Cooper on a mission to save her, Dougie needs to learn what home is really like. Because you get, we don't really know much about Cooper's personal life, but even when he's in Twin Peaks, he has this yearning for connection and he tries to get a home there. He feels like he's comfortable here. He has a yearning for home as well. I just think that's such an interesting idea and that connection between the last thing Dougie says and what Cooper says to Laura when he's saving her. And last night I watched The Missing Pieces again, A Fire Walk With Me, and there's a really interesting scene where it's the very last scene with the arm and Cooper asks the arm in the Red Room how he can leave and the arm says there is no place to go but home. And but home is written in capitals with an exclamation mark. That's what it is. There is no place to go but home. I'm just so excited by the whatever that reveals. And I just think the concept of home is one that's really interesting anyway. But I'd never really thought about it until you really think about Dougie. And you really think about Laura. And there's, there is something to be said. And I think we already know this concept of Cooper is on a mission. And... It's fascinating to think maybe it's Laura's mission. Maybe the Black Lodge or the Red Room is Laura's domain. Um, and obviously there are inconsistencies with that theory. Um, of course there are. Um, how are the beings there? Why are the beings there? The David Churn is meant to be a place where all of your dreams come true and it's like a utopia for you. The Red Room is not a utopia for Laura. Um, so the concept doesn't apply absolutely, um, but there is definitely something interesting within it. And I do like, I'm really, really fond of the theory that Cooper is actually, I think it's, is it White Knight Syndrome? Um, this idea when you have to like be the hero and save someone. I love the fact that Cooper is doing that to try and save Laura, but it's flawed because he can't. And if it's Laura's idea, Although interesting, maybe that does reduce some of the problematic aspects of it when they're one of the things that, you know, you can take a real joy in in Cooper's character. Um, but I think I'd, there's something interesting about Laura. And there's that odd scene in the first series where Jacoby's talking to Bobby and he says, um, it's almost like Laura wanted to die. And I've always found that a bit... I don't know how helpful that scene is to understanding her character. Um, and I don't know what that scene does for concepts of things like guilt and responsibility and stuff like that. So I've always been a bit unsure about that scene. But that we are meant to think that there is something else about Laura's death. That this is basically when she chooses to die in the train car we see it differently in fire walk with me because it's her refusing bob it's ending um the author of laura's ghost as well which is a book i'm really excited to read uh which comes out soon said on twitter over the last few days that there's something interesting um in the idea that laura um breaks this cycle of violence by choosing to die and that's a fascinating idea because it does give her this agency of her own story in you know when frankly her story is about all these men taking agency from her 
And so maybe this is her mission. Maybe it is her mission to get Cooper to save her. Maybe he needs to become Dougie to train up uh, in this concept of home, which is an idea, you know, a, a pet theory I've now got that I'm just really fond of. So, neither Laura nor Carrie have moved on to a stage where they can develop spiritually. Um, and it's interesting, when I was reading about the levels of initiation, one of the abilities of one of the higher levels is that you can levitate in a local area, in a localised area, a little bit like the fireman. Um, and I was kind of toying with this idea of, if Laura is reincarnated as Carrie, does that mean that she is sinned or she stepped back? What is it that Laura still has to learn as Carrie? Um, and that's also an interesting question. Is it a chance to get home, a new identity, the opportunity to start again? Um, does she choose to be reincarnated as Carrie because of that? Does Cooper misinterpret this whole thing as a plot to stop Judy when really it's Laura's plan to get home. Um, and the thing I, the other thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about this was Lynch is obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. Um, the Wizard of Oz is all about going home. There's no place like home. That's what the arms quote in the missing pieces mirrors. You know, the fact that there's no place like home, it's, it's still that Wizard of Oz thread running through it which kind of is a nice dimension to this theory I think um so there are lots of things that this throws up um like is the red room the place where happiness and utopian desires are given in reward for unselfishness on earth is that the case for Laura in the red room no um and, you know, that is a hard thing to reconcile with Laura's character and what we know of the Red Room. But there's something to be said, I think, here with this theory. Um, I like the idea as well of if Cooper is involved in this process of initiation, how does Richard fit into it? Is Richard the next stage? Is he a step backwards? Is he a, you know, how exactly does Richard fit in? And I'm not quite, quite sure about that. Is Richard, maybe, if Cooper now understands the concept of home because of Dougie, and we know he remembers all of the things Dougie remembers, is Richard a part of, maybe, like, Cooper can't... So, because Cooper now has this understanding of home, maybe Richard has to be the one that goes to, like, crosses to this other place because Cooper can't actually be the same person because his understanding of travelling to places has changed. His understanding of what it is to be an FBI agent has changed. Does he need to be Richard to cross? Um, and that's an interesting thought, actually. Does he need to become Richard in order to cross? Um, that sort of reminds me of... I'm also a big Doctor Who fan, and when they cast Peter Capaldi... Uh, who'd been in the series prior to becoming the Doctor, there's an episode where he realises he's regenerated into Peter Capaldi um, for a specific reason, because he has a specific thing to tell himself. Um, and is that why Cooper becomes Richard? Because he, he needs to be different in order to work in this new world. Digging deeper into these 
this idea of these levels of initiation. Uh, one of the options for someone who has surpassed the fourth level of initiation is to become one of the spirits that dwells in the sun. So when you become a spiritual being, there's seven different paths that you can follow. And one of those paths is you become a sun-dwelling spirit. And this is not connected to the previous theory, but just something else that came to mind when I was reading into this. Is it where Laura comes from? You know, is she a child of these spirits? We talk often about the golden orb in part eight that Laura is a part of. Well... Is that is she a child? Is that a son? Is she a spirit from the sun, a child of those spirits? You know, where does this idea of Laura being sent down from what is presumably the White Lodge, where does that fit in with this idea of, I mean, her being human anyway? Like, oh, it's just it just wonderfully complicates everything that scene, and I don't know where that fits into the series or my theory. Really, it's a tricky one, um, but the implication is there that it's because. She wants to destroy Judy, but maybe if she is this other being who has been waiting to be born for decades, you know, maybe she needs that concept of home more than others uh, or more strongly than even humans feel it. And just lastly, returning to the Laura Stewart article, there are some fascinating points raised about a number of things to do with this that I just really quickly want to bring up. Um, so there's a really interesting discussion about Audrey. So does she end up in the White Lodge and does that make Charlie her dweller on the threshold? Uh, that's something I'm definitely going to think about more if I do an Audrey podcast, which I would love to do at some point. Uh, and the other thing Laura Stewart's article did that I was wondering was when Leland dies and Cooper comforts him, Cooper delivers him this speech. And I was wondering, because I saw it again quite recently, where that speech was from, and it's from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, um, which I didn't know, and it's just, I mean, it's perfect, isn't it? What a great piece of material to adapt and to give to Cooper. But it also just further emphasises this idea of how important theosophy and those theosophical ideas are to Twin Peaks, and they inform a lot of the spirituality of it. Um you know, a lot of the spirituality that exists in the series comes from Frost and from these ideas from theosophy. So I think, you know, in regards to my theory, I think it's perfectly valid that the Red Room is Laura's heaven that she's dreamed about and it's a place that she wants Cooper to help her from. Um, because we know that these ideas are imbued in the series in all sorts of ways. Um, there's also in the article this idea about Diane being a thought form created by Cooper, um, which I like. And I think the, the idea that this thought form is real enough to be working for the FBI makes me so happy that they have basically a tulpa working for them. Um, I just think that's really fun as an idea. Um, and also, actually, that Diane sees her dweller on the threshold at the motel before she has the uncomfortable sex scene with Cooper um, or Richard, and um, she decides to leave. So, yeah, there's that was a bit of a whistle-stop tour through, um, through ideas and dwellers and David Chans. Um, but there's definitely something interesting in that theory I think I think I've stumbled onto something and if you've got any additions to make 
anything that I've forgotten that either completely destroys the theory, there may well be some of those ideas, um, or indeed ideas I've forgotten that bolster the theory and back it up a little bit, then please do let me know. Um, if this is something you've thought about before or not thought about before, then I'd love to hear from you. So next time, so next time I'm going to be talking about Firewalk With Me and specifically Firewalk With Me through the lens of the missing pieces and then a little bit of a discussion on alternative season threes that we could have had as well. And uh, I've got some other podcasts coming. So a couple podcasts I recorded last year um, that only had a really small release. I'm going to put out on all the streaming platforms. So they'll have a brand new introduction and then the podcast from last year on a couple of interesting uh, topics. So they'll be coming out over the next few weeks, sort of dotted around as well. And then there is a podcast or two I'm very excited about. Um, that you'll have to wait a little bit longer for and I'm going to keep under wraps for now but uh, all will be revealed over time. So thank you very much for listening. I hope this has made some kind of sense and you've picked up something that you think would be really interesting to talk about further. Um, I will see you next time. <laughs>